Well, hello once again. Glad you guys are here. Welcome to Crown Point Church. Um, like Pastor said, my name is Jeremy. I'm the youth pastor here at Crown Point, and uh, we're so glad that you're here today. Um, if you've got your Bible, uh, go ahead and find the book of Judges. The book of Judges, chapter 6. <clears throat> That's where we're going to be talking out of today, and, uh, and I'm excited about it. Um, we're in week two of our Warrior Series. If you missed last week, make sure and grab the podcast, find it online. Make sure and catch Pastor Nubia's message uh, about uh, the, basically the ultimate warrior uh, that he shared about last week. It's, it's really good. You need to pick that up. Um, you may be asking yourself, why is this little guy talking to us about being a warrior? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. How many of you guys have you've ever looked up like the meaning of your name, your name meaning? Anybody ever looked that up? Well, I did. I looked this up, and I found my last name, which is Wyatt. I found the definition for this, and it says, it's of English origin, meaning little warrior. Yeah, take that. That's me right there. I am your little warrior. Um, Also, I wonder if my... If, if you guys don't know, I'm the youngest of six kids. Um, out of the males in my family, I am the smallest male in my family. I'm the shortest, smallest guy in my family. And I just wonder if my parents just set me up for that. Because I also looked up the definition of my middle name, which is Paul. And that means, it's from Latin, and it means small or humble. <laughs> so I was like, hey, thanks, Mom and Dad. You're the best. So I wanted to be an athlete and all this kind of stuff. Nah, I'm just a little guy. So there you go. There's my credibility for being, being able to uh, speak to you about being a warrior today. I'm really excited to share with you guys this morning. Um, we're in the second week of, of this warrior series, and, and I'm curious. Um, well, before I get there, what remind, this series is about, basically, it's geared towards our men. Um, and it has... And I want to challenge, we want to challenge our women as well. So there are things that women could pull out and apply to themselves as well. Because sometimes in the home, the women are the warriors. And so, but we are challenging our men and, and, and our women to be warriors. So I'm just curious. Do we have any warriors in the house today? In, okay, well, men. Do we have any warriors in the house today? <laughs> okay. Ladies, do we have any warrior princesses in the house today? <laughs> Guys. Um, like I asked the women, they're like, woo! And the guys are like, crickets, you know? Um, <laughs> let's try this again. Men, are there any warriors in the house? Yeah! All right. Like beat their chest and like, burp and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Warriors are in the house today. So you see, there, there's nothing worse than a passive warrior, a passive warrior. You meet a guy and like he gives you a, a little handshake. It's like a dead fish handshake. He won't give you a, a strong handshake. It's like a dead fish in your hand. And you're just like, you will answer to God for those dead fish handshakes, men. <laughs> That is not right. It's like you've, you've shaken hands with the, those men, and it feels like you're shaking hands with a wet mop. Like, it is not good. It is not good. Don't do those kind of handshakes. And, and so there's nothing worse than a passive warrior. 
a hesitant man of God. And, but a lot of us, we're very aggressive and we're very powerful and we're very faith-filled warriors in certain areas of our lives. But there's another area of our life that God is calling us to excel. And yet, a lot of places, a lot of times, we've become passive and we become hesitant. And the warrior in battle who hesitates is the most vulnerable warrior of all. And so if you got your Bible, in the book of Judges, chapter 6, we'll start in verse 11. The title of today's message is called The Hesitant Warrior. And so we're going to be looking at that, Judges 6, verses 11 and 12. And uh, in the scriptures it says this, The angel of the Lord came, and he sat down under the oak in Ophrah. That was before she had a talk show. And that belonged to Joash, the Abezerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. So I'm going to pause right there for a moment. Now I'm going to bring this kind of into context a little bit. Um, Gideon, he was a warrior, but he wasn't acting like a warrior. He wasn't acting like who God called him to be. You see, the Midianites, they were, they were, they were aggressive and they were attacking and they were this evil group of people. They were coming and they would take advantage of the Israelites. They would scare them. They would hurt them. They would steal their food. And so Gideon, the warrior, he became hesitant. He became hesitant and he was passive and he looked at his people and he thought, we don't have what it takes. We don't have what it takes to defeat these people. And so in fact, what he did is he just basically, he surrendered to the idea that we're always going to be under the Midianites. They're always going to have control of us. And in fact, he became passive. And so God spoke to him through the angel of the Lord. In verse 12, it says this. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you. And then he called him a what? What did he say? He said, you are a mighty warrior. You are a mighty warrior. And you see, when, when God looks at a man, he doesn't see what the man is. He sees what he, could be become, what he could become. A man will often say, well, you don't know where, he, well, here, here's where I am in life. Where here's where I'm at. Here's what I, and this is, this is all I'm ever going to do. And this is my struggle, but God doesn't look at you and he doesn't see what you do. Uh, he often sees what you can do. He sees what you can do. He doesn't see you just as you are, but he sees you as you could become. And so the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He's with you. Some people may look at you today and be like, I, you don't look like a warrior. That's what you thought when I walked out, but I proved it with my name. That's it. That's all I need. It says it in my name. And so you don't look like a warrior. And, and God would say, but hey, hold up. I'm not looking at what others see. But I'm looking at what I put on the inside of you. Gentlemen, you have the heart of a warrior. You have the heart of a warrior. And Exodus says this, um, Pastor Newby talked about this last week. It says, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. He's not just some guy that we read out about in the Bible who wore robes and just walked around like this all day with long flowing pretty hair and blue eyes. No, the scripture says he is a warrior. He's a warrior. And, and it, the cool thing, last time I spoke, got to speak in here on, on a Sunday, um, I talked to you guys about um, who we are in Christ. And I talked about how we are created in the image of God. We are created like God, and we're supposed to reflect the characteristics of God, and that he would, God would give us, gentlemen, 
the heart of a warrior. He gives us the heart of a warrior. And so what do we know about a warrior? Well, we learned last week, Pastor Newby shared this. He said um, the greatest warrior, that, that Jesus was the greatest warrior of all time. The greatest warrior of all time. And we discovered that every warrior has a cause to fight for. Every warrior. Gentlemen, if there's something in you that desires to fight, something that is righteous, there's something in us that we want to fight which would, for what's true, for what's right, and to stand up and fight for those who are innocent, and stand up and fight for defend the honor for the people in need. Um, every warrior has a cause to fight for. And what was Gideon's cause? Well, it was becoming very obvious. You're, you are to save Israel out of the hands of the Midianites. This is your cause, Gideon. So the challenge, the, the challenge is because, gentlemen, we, we have this divine desire to fight. We have this desire to fight, and if, and if we're not fighting for the right cause, we'll end up fighting for the wrong cause. And that's when we get stupid written all over us. That's when we get dumb and we end up rebelling against authority, and without the right cause to fight for, we will end up fighting the wrong battle. And instead of being the spiritual warrior, we become the dumb warrior. You see those guys, I had this guy I played football with. He was the dumbest guy I've ever met in my life. Uh, we were taking a bus trip one time, and, and uh, there was a group of uh, uh, what is it, Mennonites that we passed by. And he goes, hey, did you see those pilgrims? I mean, dumbest guy I've ever met in my life. He's, anyways, Every warrior has a cause to fight for. If you don't have the right cause to fight for, you'll be a dumb warrior. Every warrior has a cause to fight for. God will see something in you that you may not even see yourself. So here's the problem. Um, if you're taking notes today, that would be really cool. Write some of these things down, and, I, and I'll share with you some of these things that you should write down. I want you to write this down. If you're like most men, including me, you may not want to admit this, <clears throat> but in almost every case it's true. And it's kind of foundation, foundational for the thought of the, the day is this. This is what I want you to write down. Every warrior, at least occasionally, fears failure. Every warrior fears failure. I'm not afraid of anything. Every warrior occasionally fears failure. Every warrior, even the most courageous, bold-looking warrior of all, before battle, maybe in the middle of battle, they start to wonder, wait a minute do I still have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? And sometimes even the most confident appearing men, they're the ones who are most insecure. They're often the ones that take, we, we put up this false front because deep down that they're, they're wondering, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? And if you can be, I can be completely honest with you guys. Personally, I, feel, I fear failure. I fear failure at times. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but as, as a pastor, as a leader, there are so many weights that you carry and the burden and the pressure and the, and the people who aren't nice. <laughs> Imagine that, church people. Um, the, the burden, the pressure, and you've got all these people looking at you to lead, and, and you don't want to fail. As a dad, as a husband, I don't want to fail my family. That's the last thing I want to do. Every warrior fears failure. So we're going to go back to Gideon. And in verse 15, look at Gideon. He says, um, God says, hey, I want you to deliver my people. In verse 15, he, he kind of reveals his insecurity. And he says, but Lord, Gideon asks, 
How would I save Israel? My clan, we are the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Why is it so that so many of our men were afraid of failure? Well, to us, to men, it's personal. It's very personal. We take it very, and we tend to internalize it. And, and it's, it's, it feels very final to us. Failure does. Like, here's the deal. I can't lose at something. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't want to lose. Like, I, come, I get second place. And Kristen's like, yeah, you did a great job. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. Second place is first loser. No, you don't understand. I lost. You know, we don't want second place. We want to win. We want to fight. And as a warrior, if I can't win, I don't want to fight. If I can't win, I don't want to fight. And a lot of guys are like that. If we can't come out on top, we don't want to play your game. We don't want to play. And so that's why if a man struggles in his career, he doesn't just say, well, I'm just kind of having a tough time finding out what I want to do with my life. He thinks, you know what? I'm a failure. I'm failing. This family is struggling, and he says, and, and his kids are like all over the place and crazy, and he's I'm a failure as a dad. <clears throat> um, and so what he does is he internalizes it. Because, uh, and, and, wrong, and, we, and he believes, and wrongly so, we believe that our worth is based on our accomplishments. It's based on our accomplishments. And, and if we are accomplishing, we feel good about ourselves. We are a warrior. We're doing great. But if we don't feel incredibly, if we don't, we feel incredibly insecure. Because every one of us, we fear failure. We fear failure. And if, if so, um, deep, deeply entwined in our hearts, and, and which it leads to this thought, if you have your notes, once again, and here's where it gets really, really, really important. This is for those of you who are spiritual warriors. This is for the men of God. This is for those spirit-filled warriors of God. Write this down. Say, when these warriors, when your fear exceeds, when, when your fear of failure exceeds your faith in God, this is when you become hesitant. When your fear of failure exceeds your faith in God, that's when you become hesitant. When a warrior's internal fear of failure exceeds his faith in God, that's when he becomes hesitant. A hesitant warrior is always vulnerable. He's always vulnerable. I'll give you an example in the New Testament. You guys remember the time when Peter was in the boat with the other disciples and and, um, Jesus comes along walking on water. And Jesus was, uh, he was walking on water and Peter was like, basically he was like, dude, I want to do that. And, and he's like, can I do that? And Jesus basically, he's like, Jesus, can I come to you? And Jesus basically says, if you want to try. And so Peter jumps out of the boat and the guy's walking on the water and it's amazing. Only two people in in life ever have walked on water, Jesus and Peter. And, and it's amazing and it's great. And so he's looking at Jesus like, yeah, this is great. I'm walking on water. This is awesome. And all of a sudden what happened? He took his eyes off of Jesus. He looked away. He was distracted. He took his eyes off of him and he started to sink because of his fear of failure. And his fear of failure exceeded his faith in Jesus. Gentlemen, I say to you, some some of you very respectfully, 
that some of you uh, in your area of life, you've taken your eye off Christ. You've taken your eye off him and you're looking at your own abilities. And you're saying, I may not have what it takes. And, and the truth is, you don't. Without Christ, you don't. None of us do. And, and so your insecurities and your fear, your fear of failure is exceeding your faith in Christ. And you become hesitant. And that's why in some areas of, of your life, perhaps you may be sinking. And I don't know how it plays out. I know a lot of guys, that they're, they're Christian men. They love Jesus, but your family has almost no evidence of being spiritual at all, of being Christian at all. I mean, we go to church, and there's, but throughout the week, there's no evidence of Christ during the week. And so you think, here's what you think. I'd like to lead spiritually. I'd like to lead my family. I really, really would. But if I try, I may not be good at it. And she may see that she really knows more than I do. And I can't afford a false start. And so we hesitate, and our fear fear of failure exceeds our faith in God. And so what do we do? We don't draw the sword of the Spirit, and instead, uh, instead of leading courageously, we become passive hesitant warriors. I want to change gears here for just a moment and talk to our ladies, our, our warrior princesses. Any warrior princesses in the house? Okay, let me talk to you because you got to hear this, ladies. You need to hear this. Your role in your warrior's life is bigger than you could ever imagine. It's bigger than you could ever imagine. It's so big because in so many ways, he is becoming what you think about him. He's becoming what you think about him. You show me a courageous, godly man, and more times than not, there's a praying, encouraging wife nearby. You show me someone who's grown passive and hesitant, and almost every time you see a woman who says, who, who said, you're not good enough. You, you can't do this. You're going to fail. You're not going to amount to anything. You always mess it up, because in, in so many ways, ladies, he's becoming what you see of him. And I'll explain it to you this way. If, if I'm good at what I do, one of the reasons is because my wife, Kristen, she knows me far better than any of you guys. And if she believes in me, I think to myself, I must have what it takes. Serious. If she, that's, that's how I function. That's how I work. If she believes in me, I, I must have what it takes. And, I, and, and, and then it, she's like, I think, I think you could do really good at putting your head through that wall. You think so? I could be good at that? I mean, really? And I, if she thinks I could do it, I'm going to try. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's how legitimate this is. Um, okay, ladies, tell me if this is true. If this is true. Most women, I think, would say it is. So what you need to know from your man is, does he love you? Does he cherish you? Does he value you today? Today, keyword is today. Um, you see, because like yesterday, I was a man. I was a dude. Like I was a guy. I mean, I was, I was racking up points at home. I, uh, she was gone for a while in the morning. I cleaned house. I made the beds. Um, I, 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 when she got home, I encouraged Kristen. I, at the, in the evening, I helped the kids with the bath. And yeah, and so... I was accumulating all these. I was working it. Come on. I was accumulating. Oh, okay. Thanks. Um, I got all these points 
yesterday. The problem with, with women is that, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't start throwing stuff yet. Um, the problem with women is, is that um, with all these points that the men accumulate, they evaporate at midnight. Right? It's, it's done. At Once midnight hits, it's like pumpkin. You're done. They evaporate. And, and so, I mean, like, the next day, like, the points go away, and, and it starts over, and the guy is thinking, but wasn't I good yesterday? And she's like, I don't care about yesterday. I wonder, do you love me today? And guys say, well, I told you three weeks ago that I loved you, and, and that hasn't changed, baby. And, and to a guy, to a guy, that still makes sense. That's real for us. That's true for us. And, but she wants to know, do you love me today? Women, is that pretty much accurate? Okay. <laughs> I act like I know a lot about women, but I can tell you I know nothing. I'm making it up. So here's what a guy wants to know. He doesn't want to know, do you cherish me today? Mm-mm. Guys don't even, I'm surprised I could say that word. Guys don't say those words. What he wants to know is, um, do, you still, do you still believe in him? He wants to know, do you still respect him? He wants to know, do you admire him? Now, some of you ladies, you will sadly say, no, I don't. Let me say this. Well, at one time you did. At one time you did. And, and, or you wouldn't have married him. You wouldn't, you wouldn't admire him today. Maybe you've, you've been speaking the life out of him for so many years. Do you admire me? Do you respect me? Do you honor me? Do you believe in me today, baby? Because when my wife does, man, I, I think I'm better than I am. Like, ooh, she believes in me. I can do this. Uh, and I'm like, watch this, you know? And, and like famous last words of a youth pastor, hey guys, watch this, you know? Um, if she, she believes in me. I'm like, yeah, I can do this. And, you know, because something inside of a man, when his woman believes in him, she trusts him, she speaks life and encouragement. It means everything. Now, on, the other, on, on a, another note, a lot of princess warriors, they complain and they whine a lot about, my husband is not the spiritual leader in my home. That's not him. He's not the spiritual leader. So I have to wear the spiritual pants in the family. And here's what happens is women, women, they have this idea of what a spiritual leader looks like. And they think it's like an hour-long Bible study and really long prayer meetings and all this kind of stuff. And, and they think that's what a spiritual leader in the home looks like. And I just need to say to you ladies, that's probably in, in a lot of cases, that's not going to happen. Because for some dudes, yeah. But for a lot of cases, that's not going to happen. And because your expectation of him is not what he's de- wired to deliver. And so when you have those expectations, when he tries to do something, and you say, that's not right. What he says to himself is, I can't win this game, so I don't want to play. Um, and the, the very thing that you desire most, he won't do. 
because he could never live up to your expectations. So ladies, when he does something seemingly remotely spiritual, don't criticize it. Reward it. It, it may, it, he may just pray over a meal for the very first time. God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for this food. And, and, you know, and then just look at him and go, that was great. That was awesome. And, and he'll be like, really? And you'll say, oh, that is super hot when you pray that way. <laughs> and he'll be like, well, let's go have a prayer meeting, you know? <laughs> and, and you just encourage him when he leads spiritually. And when you let him become the man that God created him to be, he will exceed your greatest expectations. Deep down, we're insecure. Every warrior fears, fears failure. Um, write this down if you have your notes. Gentlemen, I want you to internalize this. I want you to embrace it, internalize it, lock it in your brain. Here's your main thought. The warrior, gentlemen, the warrior empowered by God, the warrior you, you have what it takes. You have what it takes. God has given you what it takes, and he, he, uh, he's given you what it takes to do what he's called you to do. So back to Gideon. Gideon is freaked out. God speaks to him, verse 14, and he says this, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. And God says, am I not sending you? Same message to you, gentlemen. Is God sending you? Is God sending you? Is he speaking to you? Is he leading you? Is he stirring you? Is he, is he challenging you to draw your sword and go? and fight. Is he? You got what it takes. Don't listen to every other voice. When, when you take your eyes off of him, the voices say, but hold on, you're not good enough. You're not tall enough. You're not smart enough. You're not sharp enough. You're not fast enough. You're not a good enough leader. And you say, no, shut up. I'm not listening to those doubts, those thoughts of doubt. I am listening to what God says about me. And he told me that I have the strength to do what he's told me to do. You have the courage, you have the resources, you, and guess what, guys? Whenever you, uh, whenever you don't, whenever you're weak, that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of the whole thing. When, when his strength is made perfect in, his strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you don't feel like you can do it, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. If he calls you, step out. You draw the sword and, and you say, by his power, we will. We'll win. Don't hesitate. When God calls you to go in the strength that you have, God is, he's, he's given you everything that you need in order to win this war. Uh, whatever it is, it could be an addiction in your life. I can overcome this. I can beat this. When, it, when that thing comes in front of you and, and you whatever that addiction is, and it comes to you today, you push it away. You just want a battle. There may be a battle for purity in your mind because for years and years, you've been programmed for, for sinful and lustful images. And you think, could I ever live pure here? What are you going to do? You're going to win the battle. You're going to win that battle. Some, some beautiful lady walks by and you're like, oh, praise God for her. That's what you would normally say but not today. You're going to win that battle. You're going to win that battle. 
you're going to win that battle. And if your family doesn't resemble anything that's Christian, you call yourself a Christian, there's no evidence of Christ, you're going to say to your wife, tonight, we're going to pray together. We're going to pray. And your prayer may just simply be, God, help us to be more Christian. That may be it. You just won the battle. You just won a battle. You may say, you know what? We're, we, you know what? We're going to a life group tonight. We're going to a life group. We're going to get involved. We're going to meet some people. We're going to talk about Christ. And men, you set it up. You do it. You lead. And you say, this is the day you lead. This is the day that you won the battle. And your kids are going the wrong way. And, and you, maybe you haven't stepped in. And you're just sitting back and watching as your child makes wrong choices and wrong decisions. And and it's time for you to step in and say, I love you too much to let you go this way. You win the battle. You win the battle. You be the spiritual warrior for your family. Gentlemen, you have what it takes. Look at what Scripture says. If you don't believe me, look at what 2 Peter 1.3 says. God's divine power has given you how much? He's given you what? Everything. We need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God's power has given you everything you need to accomplish what God has put before you. Believe it. Go in the strength that you have. Gideon, back to our story. This is, this is more further down in the scripture. He goes into battle. He goes into war and he's got 32,000 men going into battle. And you know what? That's still not enough. That's still not enough. And he's going to this battle and he's worried and he's scared. And he's like, God, this, this isn't enough men. We can't do this. This isn't enough. What did God do? God took a bunch of them away. <laughs> and he ended up 10,000 men. Well, God, we're going into this battle. We barely had enough men. And now we've even got less men. And you expect us to go win this battle. 10,000. Oh, God, that's surely not enough. And then what did God do again? He took it down to 300 men going into battle. I love the story of Gideon. He, and, and this is totally impossible. It's impossible. This will never, ever, 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 ever work, God. That's not enough. God says, uh, God says, no, that's exactly enough. That's exactly enough. And, and that's maybe where some of you are right now. You feel like maybe in your life that you're going backwards and God's going to say, you know what? I'm going to take you down so low that all you have left is me. And I am enough. I am all that you need. Could Pastor Nick come up and play? I want to, this, this scripture that I started out with at the very beginning, I, I want to read it in its full. Judges six twelve. And then 14 and 15, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. He said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Here's the deal. When God shows you who you are, your first reaction is going to be, No, I'm not. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm not called to do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not capable. I'm not worthy. I'm not beautiful. I'm not lovable. Your list of I'm not could keep going on and on, but God sees you um, 
the way he sees you isn't based on your pedigree or your performance. It's based on the potential that he's placed inside of you. God does not measure you based on your lowest moments. He measures you based on your high calling. God does not define your life based on what you have done or who you are. He defines your life based on what Jesus has done for you and who Jesus is in you. And that's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. Long before God ever showed showed you who you are or what you're here to do, he knew who you are and what you had done and what you would do. In other words, God's not shocked by your protests or feelings of inadequacy. Think about Abraham. Abraham didn't shock God when he told him he was too old. Moses didn't shock God when he said he was a stutterer. Gideon didn't shock God when he told him he was the most insignificant person in the most insignificant clan. And that didn't change God's mind either. When God has spoken, you don't get to seek a second opinion, including your own, especially your own, because you'll talk yourself out of it every time. You're not the world's leading expert on yourself. The one who custom designed you from before your conception is. You're not the world's leading expert on your worth to God. The one who has made you worthy, uh, the one who's made you worthy in and through his son. When God shows you who you are, your first reaction will be, no, I'm not. (laughs) No, that's not me. But luckily, your first reaction isn't the final word. God has created you, men, warriors, warrior princesses, with the heart of a warrior, with the heart of a warrior. And, and there is a cause that you fight for, that you live for. When you, when you hesitate, you become vulnerable. Understand this, God has given you everything you need to accomplish what he's put before you. You have what it takes. So go in the strength that you have and act like the spiritual warrior that he has created you to be. I do this with my um, two oldest kids because they can understand what I say. I think Jet said Liza Minnelli the other day, um, which I'm not exactly sure, which is kind of weird. I try to speak life into my kids. I try to speak words of encouragement. And I may even tell them that they're better than what they are. Um, So I tell my kids stuff like, you're special, you're awesome, You're the best. You're the prettiest little girl that I know. You are handsome. You are so smart. You're a genius. I tell my kids this stuff, and and you're the best artist that I've ever seen. You're so talented. And I've been telling them this stuff for years. And because I don't want them to get like into middle school and to get older and some dumb other middle schooler tells them their assessment of who they think they are. I want my kids to already know. So a while back, my kids were fighting, and I heard Jackson say to Evie, you can't tell me what to do all the time. And Evie said, yes, I can. I'm a genius. (laughs) So I quickly jumped in before it got aggressive. And and I told her, I grabbed Evie, Evie, and I talked to her, and I told her, it's like, you can't go telling people that. You can't do that. And I tried to explain her, to her why. And, and I'm not sure, if it, but 
I'm not sure if it sunk in, but I, here's what I told her. If someone asks you, are you a genius? You reply, my daddy says I am. Jackson, someone asks, are, are you handsome? Do you think you're handsome? My dad says I am. Because that doesn't have so much to do with you. It has more to do with how your father sees you. I wish I could get some people in here today when the enemy tries to condemn them and try to tell them that you're weak. Who do you think you are? You're not strong enough. You can't do this. You're a failure. You can always respond with, my father says I am. Do you really think that you can be this warrior that God's calling you to be? My father says I am. I don't really feel capable at times. But my father says I am. Do you really think you're going to overcome this time? My father says I am. Mighty warrior in this room, God is with you. He says you are. Let's pray together. Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. And Father, I, I thank you for what you're doing here. I thank you for your power. I thank you for, for stirring up.